0: an important thing to remember is you choose your mindset we all do every day either you woke up today ready to take on life and wherever the challenges brought you or you woke up today and got to go to work and got no man come on we living in here every day and you choose your mindset so choose your mindset and do some different things
1: to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hopman. Hey Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them. And my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner, which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. Today's guest is Ryan Harris, who says you have the right to be extraordinary He has an incredible zest for life, and he is out doing amazing, incredible things on the stage, doing announcing of games, and he believes that when we embrace the right to be extraordinary, we create positive change in the world. Now, if you're not familiar with Ryan Harris, or if you don't watch a whole lot of football, you should know that he played offensive tackle in the NFL Well, actually, he started with the firing Irish at Notre Dame in college and then went on to play 10 years in the NFL, starting with the Denver Broncos, Eagles, Broncos, Texans, Chiefs, Broncos, Pittsburgh Steelers, and was part of the Super Bowl 50 winning team. Not only did he manage to maintain a successful career for a full 10 years in the NFL, despite injuries and surgeries, which is a pretty common thing in that line of work, but the whole time Ryan was planning for his future and making very smart financial decisions, budgeting and planning for his future because he knew that the time in the sport would be short-lived and he wanted to build a longer, brighter future for himself You'll hear on the show that he talks about at least 75% of NFL or professional athletes uh, within two years of retirement are bankrupt. And Ryan has been taking steps for quite some time to ensure that that was not his future. And in fact, he's out preaching the good word about financial wisdom and planning and making smart decisions with your money. He's also a keynote speaker. And in fact, he has a brand new book coming out tomorrow, November 6th. We're so excited to see him launch this brand new book. You can check out more about Ryan Harris at RyanHarris68.com. He's also got his own Wikipedia page and you can read all about him there. He's truly an amazing person and his enthusiasm and energy is just, you know, contagious and, um, It's so exciting to have him here on the show. I mean, obviously, a Super Bowl champion, that's a big deal. But what I really enjoyed about my talk with Ryan is that we talked about some of his other victories, and one of them included just simply having the courage to ask his now wife out on a date when he first met her, which I just love. And uh, even before we started the recording, Ryan and I were talking about really savoring your small victories looking back in a certain time in your life and then sort of acknowledging where that has brought you to in the present moment in your life. When we recorded this interview, he was in a hotel room in Chicago, I think it was, and he was remembering that the last time he'd stayed at that hotel, he was there with the team and he didn't really get a chance to enjoy the hotel that much back then, but now he was there for a speaking engagement and he was just sort of recalibrating and reflecting on how much had changed in his life Um, The good, the bad, and the ugly that had happened, the blessings in his life, and I very much like to do that, too. I kind of reflect on those landmarks. What was I doing a year ago today? What was I doing three years ago today? Um, You know, what does a year from now look like for me? And I think that just all goes towards that intentional living that we're talking about a lot on this podcast. So enjoy today with Ryan Harris, and I hope you'll check out his new book, check out his website Definitely tune in and listen to him on Altitude, and you can also find him on, um, uh, I'm I'm not going to know what it is offhand here, but you can find it on his website where he does the play-by-play for Notre Dame as well. Um, Enjoy this one, and have an awesome day, listeners.
0: Football, you know, so... um... But uh, but I'm st- we're standing at the J W Marriott. and It's interesting because we were, last time I was here. We were I was, the year we won the Super Bowl, and uh, we got in late after a snowstorm, and uh, Coach Kubiak uh, canceled or shortened meetings. We used to have like two and a half hours worth of meetings, and he shortened them to like thirty minutes, which is great for us because really by then the haze in the barn. If you don't know the game plan, you know, nice. like you're not going to win. So. We Got here, coach slashed the meetings, and we won the game with Brock Osweiler, nonetheless on the road. And then, afterward, after the next week, I was like, Hey, coach, uh, those that meeting schedule is pretty good for a win, huh? Yeah, keep hey. it up. So then he cut meetings the rest of the uh, <laughs> the rest of the season. And I was staying here, I was like, God, this would be great to stay again sometime when I don't have a bunch of stress on me. And so, here I am, here we are.
1: That's very cool. And so, um, I like to do this on these podcasts, hopefully you don't mind, but I like to just start recording like while we're mid talk, because then we kind of pick up in this conversational tone. So um, so we're live now. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, But I love that you were saying that you get to stay in a hotel that you always wanted to stay at and that you're out in Chicago. And um, that's kind of cool how things come full circle like that, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely gotta do the work to put yourself out there. I mean, you're a lawyer; you know, you know what I mean. You gotta do due diligence, but it's 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 amazing to see. You know, I always take stock, and one of the big things I'm being on are, are celebrate every win. And part of that is just is just taking a look and saying like, wow, I'm I'm back here again, and it's so different, you know. And it can even be like when I go to my parents' house. I'm like, I remember when I was 14, I couldn't wait to get out of here. You know what I mean? And Just little things like that, you know, you find yourself in the most hilarious places, uh, again, uh, different in life. And and I'm going through one of them now.
1: (laughs) Isn't that kind of cool, though? It's like a benchmark. It's, you know, whether it's a significant date and you look back in time at that specific date or whether it's, you know, um, an annual event or like you said, the last time you were at this hotel. And now you get to kind of look at your life now and what your life looked like back then. It's like those little momentary opportunities for us to kind of take stock of how far we've come.
0: Yeah, I mean, and 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 beyond that too. I think it's are we paying attention? Right. You know what I mean? Because you got to be paying attention to know that you know I, I stepped on this crack in the sidewalk five years ago, and right. I was you know going through X, Y, and Z, and uh, and you know if we're not paying attention, we miss the, the moments all the time. So uh, I love, like you said, that you know it's whether it's a date or whether it's a certain time or place, but also just. Knowing, like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm aware, I'm, I'm, I'm present, so that I can recognize this, and uh, I think that's that's half of the benefit as well.
1: Yeah, you miss the little joys if you're rushing through life, or you're kind of half asleep, or if you've got your face in your phone the whole time, right? Like you'd miss those opportunities <laughs> to celebrate those little victories, like you called them.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And you're busy, and you're on the go, and so you're, um, you're doing the Notre Dame. Uh, what do you call it? Play by play.
0: Yeah, so I'm the color analyst at Notre Dame. I got a weekday show in Denver uh, from 10 to 2. We talk sports uh, on, on Altitude there. So we're the home of the Nuggets and the Avalanche. I also do Altitude TV work uh, on the Let's Talk Football show. also do the Fantasy Football Hour in the Trenches segment. Um, it goes to over 100 million homes. And then I also do um, CBS uh, postgame work uh, on select games in Denver. And then I do post-game work for CBS down in the spring. So, uh, staying busy in retirement and, uh, and, uh, and enjoying myself.
1: Is it hard to believe that it's only been two years since you were, um, playing?
0: It is, it is, you know, um, you know, especially too, when I think about, you know, the different things too. And I also got a marketing company who does, we do like, you know when you search for shoes or a bicycle i know you're a cyclist uh, and then all of a sudden the cycling gear follows you around for yes. 3 months yeah that's us so uh, you're welcome but um I thanks a lot for that yeah but uh, you know it's to me what's interesting is how it changes even you know day to day after being done playing you know 78% of athletes are bankrupt and or nfl players are bankrupt and Chemically dependent, divorced, or all three—two years after they're done playing. So this two-year mark was big for me. Has been big for me, and uh, and a lot of change and transition. And as much as I know that I prepared for it, you know, it was interesting to experience some some different threshold moments during it. And uh, and to be two years out in the same hotel that three years ago I was here and we won a Super Bowl is just kind of like, man, we're we're uh, time doesn't stop. <laughs>
1: Well, that's things I wanted to ask you about today is I do know that so many players end up not having very good success when their career has ended. And I know there's all kinds of reasons for that. But obviously, you've charted a different path for yourself. And it's at least from the outside looking in, it seems very intentional. None of this happened to you by accident. You've pretty much been zealously pursuing this post athletic career, it seems like since day one. Um, You know, to what do you attribute sort of your outcome being different than the statistical norm?
0: Yeah, great question. You know, I mean, you know, I think about little things. You know, um, you know, little things like you know, learning from my parents that you know I should, uh, I need to learn how to take care of my money and have a great. um, I call my conciliary. I've just had great people around me, whether it's been coaches or you know, like my my conciliary. You know, taught me how to invest my money and and things like that. And and uh, you know, said to me one time, you know, uh, I had gotten out of my first year in the NFL. I, the, my accountant said, "Hey, you got to buy a house to try and you know help your tax situation." So I right. go to the right. bank and I ask, "What kind of house can I afford?" Right, the wrong question to ask a bank, right? And then I go to a realtor and say, "Well, I got I can afford this house." And and my real and my conciliary, my my lawyer friend said, "You know, you seem pretty happy." in this two bedroom apartment versus signing up for a $700,000 house, you know, in Highlands ranch. And um, so just little things like that gave me pause. And then also, you know, in my 10 year career, I had nine different surgeries, three of them on my back. And two of them happened within a uh, year and a half. So even when I got to the NFL, I was aware that this could be over quickly and uh, and that I got to prepare for it. And, um, and I was lucky, you know, I'm lucky. I was able to outplay a lot of my mistakes. Most guys play only three years, two games, and uh, I was able to put ten in. So I was able to, 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 you know, make income after some of the mistakes I made. Learning how to say no to people, sure. learning how to ask for a business plan and a deck to see if somebody's full of crap or not, you know, right. so things like that really benefited me. And uh, and I always just wanted to be, you know, I wanted to retire. The big thing, you know, when people ask me, "What are you doing now?" And like I say, "Well, I'm retired." That was a goal of mine. I wanted to retire. People say. People used to ask me when I was playing football, what do you want to do when you're done? I'm like, retire. I don't want to do shit. You know, <laughs> after at, at the morning after my high school graduation, 8 a.m., I was running 18 400s on a track in the oh. morning. Like, I've been working since I was 14 for this, and I wanted to make it count. Yeah. And I knew if I just spended, spent my money, uh, it wouldn't count. So i, I got to be thankful for all those myriad of reasons that really helped me out.
1: Man, that's huge. Well, and it sounds to me like there was just an overall um, receptivity to good advice. It sounds like you surrounded yourself with some good people giving you good advice and counsel. And then also, I think it just comes back to your general awareness you just strike me as a very aware person that's kind of picking up on things and someone who's intentionally trying to build this best life possible for himself. I love your quote that it's your right to be extraordinary. And it seems to me like you're pursuing a very extraordinary life on and off the field, doing really cool things. I mean, you just wrote a book, right? It comes out at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, it comes out. Oh, it comes out Tuesday. Yeah. 11 Yeah. I find it on Amazon.com, Mindset for Mastery. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, and and uh, you know, I thank you for the kind words. And, and yeah, I definitely listened and, and definitely paid attention. I also had, you know, Mary Anderson's a woman in, in Minnesota who really taught me about wealth. and And to me, wealth doesn't look rich. You know what I mean? If you don't know watches, you'd think that somebody with a Cartier had a, you know, hundred dollar watch on. you know what I'm saying? And right. so I really learned that, you know, I was paying attention that, you know, the wealthy people really help. And Rod Smith, the receiver in the, at the Denver Broncos, longtime receiver should be a hall of famer. Um, you know, one time we were walking out of the, the locker room and, a bunch of guys were looking at, like, Lam- you know, they have their Lamborghini. The, the NFL parking lots are amazing. <laughs> you, walk out of, you walk out of work and you're like, am I at some high Wall Street firm in New York, you know? And, and then there was, um, you know, Pat Bolan, the owner, uh, and, he had, and he was just in a, you know, nondescript, you know, uh, General Motors vehicle. And he was like, now pay attention to who has money and who's wealthy here. And, uh, and that always stuck with me. And, and that's part of the reason why, you know, I wrote the book is because, is you know, winning the Super Bowl, everything I believed about myself came true for other people. And I want other people to have that moment in their life. I want people to know they can't, like you said, it's, you know, it's your right to be extraordinary. Don't don't let people who aren't doing shit with their life try and tell you, you can't do something, you know, and, and uh, that's why I wanted to, to write that book.
1: So it's really kind of a call to action to everyone to find out what their extraordinary is and then actively pursue it. Is that the gist of the book?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's very close. And, you know, to me, it's beyond just knowing what you want to do, because most people know that already. You know what I mean? But the thing is to, you know, the big thing is to be forward facing. So one of the big things I'm huge on are the phrases I am, I can, I will. These phrases changed my life. You know, I was I was arrogant when I went to uh, when I was with the Denver Broncos the first time around and I had a new coach wanted me to do new things. I wasn't willing and he fired me. And uh, And I think, you know, you, you've heard you've heard me talk about this before, but that was a very terrible moment in my life. I was embarrassed, uh, tears in my eyes as a grown man uh, from my embarrassment. And the important thing was to keep moving. And so that's when I spoke the words I can. You know, I can still be a good husband without being a Denver Bronco. I can. Right. Work, work to make sure I never lose my job because of my arrogance and lack of work ethic again. And, and I will t- re- watch more film. I will ask more questions. So I did that in the pros. I did it in college when I was shoeless. You know, this, this senior beat the crap out of me. And uh, literally, one time I'm sprawled out. I got one cleat on, one cleat off. And uh, I'm just like, you know what? I am at college at Notre Dame, I can play football. I will focus on this one drill tomorrow and knock the crap out of him as much as I can with everything I got, and I'll take it from there. And I did. And so for me, mindset is huge. So not only just what you want to do, like you mentioned, but when you get there, how you overcome obstacles, how you maintain, how you persevere, how you take care of yourself uh, really matters. And you can do it. And I use the examples uh, of the things that helped me through it and and tools that people can use because... I want people to succeed. I want people to have that moment. I want people to have to walk into a room and and have people look at them and say, wow, you know, that work, that sacrifice they went through was worth it because that's a powerful moment.
1: Sure. Which actually brings me to a question I really wanted to ask you today. And of course, you know, I'm sure most people focus with you on the Super Bowl victory, which is which is huge, of course but i suspect that there's something else in your life that you're just as proud of that maybe isn't as well publicized and i wanted to ask you about that or maybe it's a couple things that you would share that have been, you know, pretty pretty impressive to you yourself or have been sources of of pride or at least, you know, feelings of like man, i really did this and i'm i'm stoked that i accomplished this.
0: Yeah, i mean Another great question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is meeting my wife, you know, and, and getting the, having the balls to go up and ask her a number, you know, and, uh, really? I mean, you know, like I talk about, you know, I, I met, um, uh, you know, my teammate had had a charity event and I went down and, and with a couple of the teammates and there was this beautiful woman there and she actually, you know, I'm with three other black guys with 300 pounds. And so, um, this white gal comes up, beautiful woman starts playing cards with us and winning, you know, and, and, uh, so I'm like, all right, this is awesome, and I'm like, so you know, I'm asking her some questions, and she's paying her way through college, and so I'm like, guys, I got to ask this gal for her number, and they're just waiting for me, waiting for me. I'm trying to time it up, and and uh, finally, my boy goes, man, we got to, we're going to leave you if you don't hurry up. So I, you know, finally went and, and got her number, and uh, that was that was a moment in my life that has really made made my life. And then uh, you know, the other moment that comes comes to mind is. You know the thanksgiving game uh the year after I was released, so when I got cut by the Broncos, as we talked about because I was arrogant, I went to the Texans and there I got to play a lot of football and one of the games I got to play in was on Thanksgiving Day, which is a huge day in football, and for me, it was huge because that's how I learned football. My uncles would take me out at my grandma's house during half times of each of the games we'd play fumble right fumble, and they'd blow the ball and and, you know, and they chased me around. And so I got to play in that game in Detroit and we won in overtime. And I was just in on the bus in my own world of just like, what the hell just happened? And, right. you know, I got, you know, I got the chills talking about it right now. And I got to get and I get back to Houston and my wife, who was pregnant at the time, met me there. She flew from Denver about the same time I left from Detroit. We met in Houston and she packed a Whole Foods Thanksgiving meal and we just had it at like 930 on Thanksgiving night and it was uh it was incredible.
1: Talk about a surreal moment.
0: Yeah, it's uh and we got a we got a game ball as a team from that and uh it's my it's my favorite one over the uh, the Super Bowl 50 ball which I got all my guys to sign it. But uh that game ball from uh from Thanksgiving was just like wow, you know. And and no one would ever know everything that went through that one, you know.
1: Right. But as you said that's honestly how you grew up playing the game was being outside on Thanksgiving day which I think it's pretty typical, you know, if the weather's decent, a lot of people go outside and throw the ball around. And I love that that all, again, comes full circle for you into that really powerful victory in overtime, no less.
0: Yeah, it was crazy too. And then the movie, in the movie, The Prisoners, that, or Prisoners, is that what it is with Hugh Jackman? That game is on TV because they're doing a Thanksgiving meal. And that very oh game gosh. is on television. So it's like, man, it's, it's like a moment that gets to last forever, you know?
1: I'm feeling a little like we're in Matrix there for a second. I'm telling you,
0: right? It's like there's layers to this thing, man. Quantum <laughs> physics. I'm a believer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is so neat. That is so cool. And, I mean, we can't overlook the fact that you played ball for Notre Dame, which is, you know, most people's dream come true right there to play yeah. college ball there. And you played a lot, too. And so you've just had quite a career and yet you strike me as someone who's just always been pretty grounded and, and humble and connected. And maybe, maybe you're more humble now than you were, but, um, to what do you attribute that? Like you've always kind of had your feet squarely on the ground.
0: Well, you know, I had to, you know, I, I uh, and part of it is being a multiracial kid. You know, growing up in Minnesota, you're not, you know, uh, you're too black for the black kids. You're, or you're too white for the black kids and too black for the, the white kids. So I had to be early. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, growing up multiracial, I had to figure out who I was. And uh, I also had to figure out that people's what people thought about me had nothing to do with me and what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, my grandmother, who's since passed, we named my daughter after her. She left the farm at 16 to go to college at Berkeley, or college at the University of Minnesota. Got an art degree and then went to Berkeley and and, um, studied and taught art. Came back and had six kids. And she would always say, like, don't do something someone else has done. So for me, that was big. Um, I was a, I was a fat, chubby little kid who loved food too when I was little so I got made fun of a lot oh. and uh, in football I finally had a place to be big so um, I, that really brought me down and, and humbled me so that when I had success I wasn't rude and mean to people and then just having great coaches at Notre Dame Chiron Willingham who taught me you know he, he would say the funniest things like we'd be uh, getting ready to go to a game after a game practice and he'd be like "Huddle up guys all right you know like here's the schedule for tomorrow and And be kind to people who serve your food. They compete in your food. You know, he says things like that, you know. And um, so just always kind of being on the outside from a racial perspective, uh, having great role models in my life, you know, and and traveling. I mean, we moved 18 times in five years and had two kids in the NFL at one point. And, you know, I, I can relate to somebody who's, you know, gotten into Pittsburgh and lived in Pittsburgh and lived in Kansas City, you know, spent time in L.A., spent time in Florida. So, I think traveling really made me aware as well uh, of of how unified we are and being Muslim, being Muslim at Notre Dame, being Muslim at a time when it's not, you know, the most popular religion to be in America really has taught me how connected we are and and how similar we are. And, And to meet people where they're at, find them and relate to them where we can.
1: And you seem to just do a really good job of that, Ryan. I mean, as you mentioned, I've heard you speak a couple times and we've interacted and both times you spoke, you had really great, totally different things to share based on the audience that was there. And um, I just really respect the fact that you have stories and experiences that you can share that are relevant to the audiences that you're talking to. And as you're talking about sort of this racial space where you found yourself, where you kind of felt like you didn't fit into either category And then combined with so many moves, um, that certainly will keep a person humble because you don't ever really even get to get into a a real routine or get into a pattern or really ever drop roots before you're off to the next place and you're meeting new people. And I guess what comes to mind for me is um, I could see myself becoming a bit of a chameleon where I'm just trying to be whatever these people are wanting me to be in this new environment. And yet I feel like you actually went the other way where you became even more firm in who you are.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, one of my favorite spirit animals of mine, you know, and I got a couple, uh, is the octopus, one of the most brilliant animals on the planet, can change color in a matter of seconds, you know, and you do have to blend in at times. And I think that's something that when we surround ourselves with people who are similar to us, we really do ourselves a disservice thinking we don't have to adapt. We do. You know, if you want to go to a black tie affair, you got to have a black suit. You know, if you want to go and be respected in the bank, you have to know what you're talking about. You have to know terms like equity and interest rates and leverage. So, I mean, you know, for me, I just accepted, you know, being able to move in a situation, but also be myself and be present because that way, you know, who, you know I can always I always ask myself, you know, who am I and why am I here? And to be able to answer those questions... Uh, really helps me maintain myself and, and having, and just being able to learn from other people, you know, Mike Tomlin at the Pittsburgh Steelers, the second point he makes every single morning in the morning meetings is listening is a skill. He says, I recognize that it's your job to find out how you learn best. And our job as coaches to give you that information. Huh. And so I, I really try and listen to people and learn something from someone. And, and try and accept, you know, I can, I can hear an idea, not accept it, you know, not agree with it, but I can accept that that's somebody's perspective. And that really, uh, that really has helped me in life just to be able to connect to people. Cause Hey, you know, it's in the constitution. We, the people, Right. if we don't know each other and talk to each other and shake hands and high five, you know, we can, we can go very, you, the, you know, me, me, the people very quickly. The
1: people. <laughs> well, and to your point earlier, we are so interconnected that we really do benefit the more that we plug into other people as opposed to trying to be these islands of one doing, yeah thing. Um we're all more similar than we are different. And I'm sure you've seen that play out in a variety of ways on teams and in different States and different cities and everything else. And um,
0: yeah, I mean, you say, you say teams, I mean, it's, and that's part of it too, is like, you know, I, I go to a new team, and on teams, there are no teams who win championships in the NFL from Ohio, right? I mean, you're from all over. You got to get to know each other. You got to accept someone else's music even. I, I used to hate EDM, uh, dance music, because I had a teammate who played it every day. Now I love it. You know, I run to it. I, it's in my head. It's a soundtrack in my head. And so just just having those experiences and, and knowing, and also, too, and we talked about a little bit before being being black, and like people were afraid of, are afraid of me to this day. They see me as a threat. And so that experience of, like, Okay, somebody thinks they're afraid of me, but they don't know I'm a father, I'm a college graduate, I'm a husband like right. so so that that in that's those situations of somebody being threatened by me or having a preconceived notion of me really pushes me to seek out other connections with people what you know what don't I know what what do I think I know about about Megan? What do I think I know about cycling? you know what i mean and and be able to learn from you because uh you know too often we allow these feelings to keep us in our separate corners
1: well and speaking of cycling i just saw that ad that you post on instagram today <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh the maintenance this is fantastic and yeah it made my heart warm with joy to see you on a bicycle <laughs> which is hey lovely. i love
0: me my dad was an amateur cyclist and uh <laughs> so i grew up and my coat my play-by-play guy so there's two guys in the radio booth in in notre dame me who tells you why a play happened but the play-by-play guy paul burmeister who tells you you know, what down it is, how far the catch was. He does the, the Tour de France. And so one of my first questions was, man, I got to come with you with my dad sometime, man. He would just flip out, you know, and I do spin classes to this day because uh, I love the bike. I love the bike. You got to get me on the road, though. I haven't been on the road. I'm a little afraid of that road. So we got we to gotta build that bridge.
1: I understand. Well, and with some of the surgeries you've had, I would, I would assume at least that cycling's probably a little bit kinder to your body than um, perhaps running is, which is true for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like bikers are always nice people. Oh. So, like, I haven't found a cyclist who isn't willing to, you know, say hello. I feel like that's part of the cyclist creed or something. Oh but
1: gosh, I like to that. You. That makes me very happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the whole point of your, um, your Instagram kind of maintenance um, today was all about just making a pitch for some kind of daily activity. And I love how your message is that it doesn't have to be this big, epic workout. It just has to be movement of some kind. Mm -hmm. you're the perfect spokesperson for that coming from your athletic history
0: yeah and and, you know and and now as a retiree i ain't trying to work out that hard you know what i'm saying i ain't trying to i ain't trying to do it but so i'll I'll take the stairs when i can you know and it's you know i'm fortunate that you know uc health you know came approached me and said hey we want to do something regarding men's health and awesome and and i love that because you know especially as men we do not seek help we do not talk about what's going on and it has and I've had I had a teammate who killed himself because of it I have teammates former teammates who are addicted to to pain pills because of it and uh, so it's so important to me that young people people of all colors and men of all colors understand like we got another video that's coming out about yoga. I'm huge on yoga. I've been doing it for 15 years. And awesome. people call me every name you could think of for 10 of them. And in the last five years, they've been like, oh, man, let me come to yoga with you. You know what I'm saying? So cool. I just encourage, you know, men to talk about it. You know, I had a mental performance coach all 10 years of my NFL career. And being able to talk to somebody about the pressures, what I'm thinking about, or what relationship matters or is affecting me before a game was really helpful and helped me be a better leader when I saw a teammate struggling the year we won a Super Bowl, and not to go into him and rip into him and say, hey, man, you're sucking right now. We're going to lose because of you, but instead saying, hey, I used to make mistakes in the game too. What I started doing is writing them down, writing down everything the coach said during the week in a notebook and then going over those notes. And sure enough, the next day he had a notebook in his in his hand and pens, and, and he took notes, and he became a better player overnight. So it's important to me to, to encourage men specifically, like you want to be a tough guy, do some new shit, do something yeah. different. Try something new, be uncomfortable, do some yoga, get some cycling, be active because just being, uh, you know, letting life happen to you is no way to live. No, no.
1: And you can still be the hard guy, but I think it's important to understand that you, whether it's be exercise or yoga or meditation or therapy or whatever, men and women, we need outlets for our stress. And I think men, as you said, um, are guilty more so of keeping that stuff deep down inside where it starts to really kind of eat at a person.
0: Yeah, and, and the toughest cats in the NFL, bro. You should see him when we should see him when their daughters come around. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. the big, like the, the the one man I'm thinking about right now. I won't say his name, you know, because I'm sure he'd be embarrassed because his whole persona is this big bad, and he is. Don't get me wrong; he's a big bad dude. But when his daughter, like he, you know, his daughters came to the facility oh, man, dude, they were, you know, rolling all over him. He's playing with them, kicking a soccer ball with them, picking them up, you know, doing hair in the locker room. And, and I'm like, man, this is this is what it is to be a man. It's not about being, you know, tough and winning it. Win- you can't win breakfast every morning. Who can no. you share breakfast with and can you enjoy breakfast with? And so I was fortunate to learn that in the NFL with some of the men that were around me and uh, try and pass that on to, to anybody I can.
1: Well, you certainly seem to be doing it and I just love how you're the spokesman for what I perceive as so many good things like living a life that's extraordinary and also of intentional, you know, choices and, and um challenging yourself to be a better person and you're writing this book and you're doing these public speaking engagements and you're play by play and all these really exciting things. And so, you know, what is kind of where is your mission going to continue to press people to to chase this extraordinary life, are you just trying to get out there as much as you can to spread that message?
0: you know I'm trying to build connections you know one of the big things for me in in the atmosphere we've found ourselves in is that we do not see each other anymore as human beings and and I was watching a a piece with a white nationalist and he was saying listen i i, I don't you know I don't know you people and i don't I don't have anything against you people but one more of you in power is one less of me in power, oh. and I want to preserve my culture. And I and I understood what he was saying, and yet I don't accept that. And I don't and that I don't believe that's historically accurate. I believe and I and I think historically you'll see that our best accomplishments have been coming have come from working together uh despite that. So for me, I'm just really pushing to make connections. You know, one after we won the Super Bowl, we did a signing Uh, And this woman came up to me and she goes, you you, you know, you seem like a great Christian boy. And she goes, and thank God you're not one of those Muslim terrorists. Oh, boy. So I said, well, you know, something was interesting. She's like, what? I'm like, wait a second. Do you like football? She's like, I love football. I'm like, you like the Broncos? She's like, oh, that's why I'm here. I'm like, are you happy we won the Super Bowl? She's like, of course. I'm like, well, guess what? I'm Muslim. Did you like me before I just told you that? She's like, of course. I guess I did. And she just kind of walked down the hall, down the, the row of tables and was kind of looking back at me like she thought I was something totally different, was happy to know me there. And now when I don't fit in that box for her, she had to kind of like, well, I guess I'm I guess some Muslims are OK, you know, so wow. I want to build as many bridges as we can. And, and I want to encourage people to go for it as much as they can. I mean, the, the Kansas City Chiefs told me before I went and won the Super Bowl, that I had no more football left. Even after I started 16 games for them, I went on to start 19 more games and win a Super Bowl the very next year. Those moments are all around us, whoever we are. And I want to encourage people to go for those moments and get those moments and build through them and and find out what you can do in them. And in that way, hopefully we can meet at some point for dinner or on a podcast and talk about what we have in common and laugh about our failures. And in that way, we the people become better.
1: Well, and you really are, I mean, breaking down so many stereotypes kind of across the board, and I feel like bridging bridging those gaps and bringing people together that, um, I mean, you have that unique set of characteristics and qualities that you're able to do that, and that's got to make you feel pretty good that you get to do that.
0: Well, I'm blessed. You know, I've been able to work through a lot of things. I've earned a lot of things, and uh, and I and I see a need for us to come together more, to laugh more, to see each other more. And uh, and if I can, and whether that's under the banner of sport, under the banner of economics, under the banner of you know investing, or under the banner of cycling, going to spin class and yoga, like let's see each other, let's talk about each other, let's let's find out you know the best schools in the neighborhood. Let's let's see what we can't. Accomplish together. Who do we support? Who's got great ideas that we that we like? And uh, you know, I think we're in a very awesome time right now—an opportunity to really come together and do some new, different things with some great solutions to old problems. And I just want to be a part of it, and I want people to to see the human beings that can be a part of it with them.
1: So I feel like that's kind of your call to action, or that's your ask of the people that you're encountering. That and and to increase their awareness and kind of slow down. But what I really hear you asking people to do is take time to connect with people and specifically people who are different from them. Is that a fair
0: statement? Ab- absolutely. Get out, do something new, and also believe in yourself. Believe that you can do whatever you it is you want to do. You know, I, I won the Super Bowl my ninth season. I failed eight times. If I'd given up any time before that because it didn't happen, I wouldn't be a champion today. Just to believe in that, 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 that voice inside you that you know that keeps telling you that this is what you want to do, whether it's graduating law school, becoming a cyclist, football player, parent, asking that girl out, like, just go for it, man. So, yes, the call to action is in, in, interact with people different from you. You'll have the most fun in your life. You can always go back to your safe corner right. and believe in yourself and what you can do in, in the face of failure and success.
1: And so is it safe to say, Ryan, that you are typically not afraid of failure, that you'll, you're willing to try just about anything?
0: Yeah, and that's, that's probably why I wrote the books. You know, so many people think, you know, somebody said to me just recently, like, oh, well, you're an athlete. You've always been good at football. Well, I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> I was like, what did you say? You know, I, you get that all the time as athletes. Well, athletes, you practice failure. I, I read a quote by Mickey Mantle talking about how many times he struck out and he said, for seven years, I didn't, seven seasons, I didn't hit a baseball when you count out all my strikeouts. You know what I mean? Athletes fail all the time. And what's unique about an athlete, though, is usually your failure is around people who are different than you but on the same team as you. So you practice this failure, but then you practice accomplishing success with other people and the success of the individual. So you're part of, you know, wave and particle like Einstein taught us. And so, you know, for me, just just encouraging people to see that, hey, Failure is a part of success. That's the ladder to get you there. I mean, how many, how many, you know, how many tests or questions did you miss on your way to law and getting becoming a lawyer in law school? You know, how many questions did you miss on your LSAT? I took that after my third back surgery and I was out of the league for four months. I took the LSAT. I need to take it again, but <laughs> I missed a lot. But while, You know, failure is going to happen. Yep. So why not just seek it out because then you know something, you know, success often rarely, you don't know what worked in success. When you fail, you know what didn't work. You know, what doesn't feel good. So seek out that failure because you always overcome it. We always have.
1: Which I think honestly is a mindset that I don't think you take it for granted. I very much think you've worked on that mindset, but um there are a lot of people who are absolutely frozen and paralyzed by that risk or fear of failure and if there's nothing else that our listeners take away from the show today it it would be to really try to harness what you're talking about there that there are very few decisions we make that are irrevocable um, that once they're made, we we can't take them back and the damage is, you know, permanently done. Um, you know, you can go get a really bad tattoo and, of course, you can't take that back, but <laughs> taking the L-
0: Yeah, start with food. I say start with food. Yeah. You Start start with some Ethiopian food or some, some pho. Yeah, you know, and, and, the, and the important thing to remember is you choose your mindset. We all do every day. Either you woke up today ready to take on life and wherever the challenges brought you, you woke up today and got to go to work and got no man come on we living in here every day and you choose your mindset so choose your mindset and do some different things eat some different food oh i
1: like that one (laughs) yes just start somewhere right like just get out of yeah just get out of your norm get out of your established path um so ryan i'm going to include a link to your book that's going to be released next week which is exciting and Um, some links to the the shows that you mentioned the play-by-play and stuff so that people can follow along with you but um, the question I really like to ask to close the podcast is really with kind of the legacy in mind and the um, Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind concept and especially those of us as athletes we like to pick a target event or sport or you know endeavor and then that's our target so then we put things in action to work towards that whether it's a game or a race or whatever and I kind of see life the same way where when we envision the end of our days and what we hope people will say about us and we hope the impact that we will leave um, it makes sense to me to then work backwards and live a life that will result in that and so you're doing all these amazing awesome things and you're super inspiring I'm inspired by you and you're you're making a huge difference Um, but what do you hope that people will say about you or what do you hope that the mark will be that you've left
0: uh, nothing, nothing. I really, you know, I see, I see, legacy totally different. You know, I want how many? When was the last time you went to a gravesite? You know what I mean? I mean, people will forget about you. You will be forgotten like the millions of people in history. Uh, but the lives that we interact with, the lives we get to touch—my son, my daughter, my my uh, God-willing coming son, my wife—you know, people who who are able to talk to me when I go. I hope that whether they know I, I passed or not, that they continue to, to, to try new foods, right, to choose their mindset, to think about money differently and, and, and think about saving versus not. Think about being honest and saying, hey, I can't afford that, and knowing that 98% of those people who they're saying it to can't afford that shit either. Right. You know? so, right. so to me, legacy is, legacy is something that I can do nothing about. But life is something I can do something about every day. And I choose to interact. I choose to, to create connections and build bridges. And in that way, hopefully, my life will have had meaning. And then that's, and that takes me to my favorite song uh, and my favorite point of history in the Civil Rights Museum that Dr. King referenced many times. If I've helped somebody as I pass along, then my living shall not be in vain. And I can control my living. I can't control my legacy. So I'm going to focus on my living.
1: I like that so much. Oh gosh, Ryan, you're such a pleasure to talk to and to listen to speak. I hope all of our listeners have the opportunity to see you at some point in a speaking um, situation, but certainly we can check out your book and I can't, I can't wait to continue to follow you and watch where your journey takes you.
0: I can't wait to see you again. You're you're at these places supporting your friends. You know you you're we the people and and these great questions. We might have to get you on the show. Well, we might have to get you. You might, you might be getting a letter from Altitude. Look, man, I need to hire you. <laughs> and I will start brushing up on my football. Um, <laughs> there you go. One of my friends
1: um, just texted me, and he said, "Ask him who was more awe inspiring, John Elway or Touchdown Jesus."
0: Oh wow. You know, it's a great it's a Touchdown Jesus because until you – for those of you who've been to Notre Dame, uh, you know it's such a massive building. One of the things about Touchdown Jesus that people don't don't know is that it was created completely without this, the, the football stadium being there. That was a happenstance. What it really is is a welcome sign, the biggest welcome sign I've ever seen. And, and being a student at Notre Dame, I got to feel – that that welcome from my Catholic brothers and sisters and and everybody who goes to Notre Dame has that has that feeling from that site of the massive, most, the biggest building on campus is welcoming everyone. Okay. Uh, and that's and that's the best part. That's why it's a little more awe-inspiring. But I'll tell you what, John Elway is the real deal now. (laughs) Some people, you get around him, you're like, I think I'm in the presence of something supernatural right now. You look over, and it's like John I saw him the other day, and he's in this, you know, navy button-down jacket. That's I mean, you're just like, man, are you a royal king or something? So it's close, but touchdown Jesus gets it, and it's because it's so welcoming.
1: I love it. You are welcoming, my friend. Thanks for making the world a better place with all that you do and all that you are.
0: Thanks for seeking us out and putting us on a platform. You are awesome. Keep up your success and your podcast. See you soon. All
1: right, sir. Take care. Bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hotman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.